Throw a fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 28 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal. The Fantasy Fullback Dive, of course, paving your way to league championship after league championship or at least a spot in the playoffs. You know, Once you get in the playoffs, it's anybody's game, but we're trying to get you into the playoffs. We're going to be your lead blocker to get there. We're going to pave the way to get there. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the wolf of Rotor Street himself who moved from the dimly lit basement that he was skulking around in to a slightly less dimly lit, I don't know, maybe that's a bedroom, um, a sitting room, perhaps, uh, a smoking room, I don't know what you would call it. Wolf, how you doing? What room are you in? I think smoking room would be uh, pretty appropriate, depending <laughs> on what goes down on here and what type of things I inhale. Yeah, that's a sure. great way to put it. But I am fantastic. I'm actually coming off one of the only times I've legitimately enjoyed baseball in my life. I went to the Red Sox-Yankees last night. Oh, it was a good uh, Oh, it was an unbelievable game. We we completed the sweep by coming back from a 4-1 deficit in the ninth to tie it up. And then extra innings, we walked off with it. So it was fantastic. Even better, I was on a date with a Yankees fan. And actually, like, a real legitimate, like, the girl loves baseball. It's her favorite sport and actually, like, really pays attention more than I do to baseball. So she was devastated. I got to celebrate in her face. She'll probably never talk to me again. But How'd you meet was- her? Uh, just we met at the uh, bar, the the one that I love to go to when we talk about players at the bar, uh, Rockefellers. Nice. With a lot of interesting people, but it was, she was out celebrating her birthday two weekends ago. We we headed off, we're dancing. Uh, a solid uh, fantasy player, I would say. Probably. I was uh, gonna say who we we talk all the time about what woman at the bar would a fantasy player be? What fantasy player would this woman be? I mean, she's very well-rounded, very pretty girl, great face, you know, my body type for sure. Your body type? Like, you know, 5'11", 210? Not, not yeah, exactly. Built, built like a real workhorse back, ready to take thirty carries a game. Uh, but no, no, just like a you know, physically great. Loves sports, which was awesome. That's we cool. hit it off in that sense. So she, she's very well rounded. I'd give her the nice, you know, Saquon Barkley for being just well rounded personality wise, looks wise. Everything was going great until, for her at least, the Yankees game uh, turned into a, a walk off win as she was celebrating in the ninth inning. So I mean, they had a ground ball to third base that would have just ended the game should have ended the game should but have ended the, the game the yankees love to blow it so yeah. fantastic time um but this, by the way the most baseball coverage you will ever hear on this podcast no i never want to talk about baseball again but it was legitimately fun yeah, and that's sure a, uh, baseball's oh, great I, live i mean it, like, oh, it's like it's way better live than it is on tv um yeah. and and a good baseball game is fun but man even in a good baseball game there's so much boring crap going on yeah i can't sit through and watch that on tv i wouldn't even made it through last night's game if it was on tv but being there and then seeing that walk-off win live and the emotion of a red sox yankees game it was a real treat it was a blast so good weekend coming off and we're now one month away nat from nfl season kicking off how insane is that one month away that is crazy what's the opening thursday night game Oh shit! How do I not I like have? I want to say it's the Eagles and somebody. It should be the Eagles. It is the Maybe Eagles. Maybe the Eagles and the Packers. Even I could be wrong it, about that. It's it's it is the Eagles. It's always the way. It might be Eagles Falcons. Okay. Opening day NFL Thursday. Let me. I'm gonna look it up real quick. We got to know. Sorry, I put you on the I spot like that. that. I just assumed that you had it like tattooed on like you know a tramp stamp like on your lower back or something. I, I do, and I just forgot what I got stamped on that night. It is Falcons-Eagles. What a, what a prediction Good by job. me. Falcons-Eagles. Good job. I know the Patriots obviously have the Texans, which is going to be an unbelievable oh, man. matchup. Yeah. Man, I'm looking so, forward to that. Um, that's fantastic. Right. We got a cool, uh, nice, uh, you know, we're coming off having probably our biggest guest ever, Field Yates. Thanks again to Field for coming on the show for episode 27. Uh, mm-hmm. got, got a little information out of him. Not, not a ton. <laughs> But like, not a ton you know, of bold takes, at least. But a, hey. a nice, nice guest to have. Friendly guy, uh, you know, very personable. Um, Great guy. Was not That's trying. Was about. not trying to stick his neck out on too much. Uh, so we're going to give you a little neck sticking out uh, this episode that maybe maybe last episode left you wanting. But uh, again, thanks for coming on the show, Field. But I will I will say um, one of the things I love about fantasy. 
I love the sticking your neck out debates about who's higher, who's lower. I mean, to me, that's one of the reasons I'm into this in the first place. And mm-hmm. so we promise that you'll get plenty of that this episode and the episodes to come. And honestly, like forward through the season, because to me, that's like one of the most fun things about fantasy. Um, we if, got, if you're not doing that, what are you doing it? What, what are you in the industry for? You know what I mean? If you're not going out there saying this is going to be the guy that blows up in the middle rounds instead of saying he's in the middle rounds. If I knew he was going to blow up, why would he be there? You know? Yeah. But to me, to me, even that, even that take doesn't make sense because like, He's in the middle round. Obviously, I'd have taken him higher. No, I mean, like if you value someone really high, but you think you can get him in the middle rounds because everybody else values him in the middle rounds, get him in the middle rounds. Right. You get a better exactly. team that way. Anyway, we could exactly. go on for a long time. Um, no, but that's the best part of the business. We have a couple segments actually like dedicated to that. I know last time, one thing Field said that I loved was you need to have tiers and group people yeah, similarly. Yeah, we agree with him on that, definitely. Um, which we agree with. One part I didn't agree with, though, is that they're all the same in that tier. They're not. You still have to rank them. You're on the clock. You're going to have to pick a guy. Uh, so you kind of inspired this new segment we have coming called the Tier Jerkers. Our guy Joe does love sticking his neck out, loves being bold but well-reasoned, which is what it's all about. Make your predictions. Be bold. Have your reasoning behind it. Have your logic. And, and and that's what it's about. Give people the information to, to decide for themselves, yes, but make your own predictions too. So the tear jerkers will be a good way to kind of build on that. We also have some bargains, overprices, and penny stocks to kind of preview our, our awesome draft guy that's coming out called the uh, fantasy the training camp kickoff market report so we're going to preview that dive into a couple of each but of course if you need the full and you do need it you want that full guide uh you go to rotostreetjournal.com slash training camp is one word to check that out for the the full guide it's loaded with money more than what we're going to give you tonight but we are going to give you a sneak peek of what's inside there in a great segment and of course a loaded stock watch as well now we got a great episode yeah the stock watch has been a great recurring segment and you i gotta admit you're bringing the heat on that pretty much every time we got it uh, every time we have some on there, I think we got like three or four today. Uh, we've had as many as six in the past. Um, before we go, I do want to tell you one funny thing that has taken place between me and two of the guys in my hometown league that I'm pretty good it. buddies with, which is that, uh, I, I just kind of, I kind of like, you, you ever like just kind of throw a firecracker into the room and then just like kind of watch what happens. <laughs> Nothing better than doing that. in like the fantasy group chat, that's the best. Well, I kind of did that in this group text we have last night, which is that I, I asked them uh, if they'd ever taken the Wonderlick test and, uh-huh. uh, and, um, they hadn't. And so, you know, they were like, Oh, doesn't it cost money? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, no. And I sent them a link, uh, on the internet, 50 questions, it's 12 minutes, it's timed. And I was just like, yeah, we should take it. Like we should, you know. And so anyway, we did. And, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, we did take it. And um, I think the average score on it is like 20 out of 50 or something like that. <laughs> How'd you so do? I got a 48. And, no uh, shit. You can get up to 50 and you got a 48? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, the two I missed, I they were legit misses. Like I was embarrassed. I was just like, I, I just didn't know them. I felt bad about it. What do you think? What would you say is the uh, opposite of the word terminate? Live, you know, breed, make life of some sort. Okay. Well, two of the options were uh, employ and begin. And I picked begin. I picked employ and it was begin. And the more I yeah. thought about it, I was wrong. Oh, don't um, give me any more. I'm going to actually take this and see if no, I, I don't can. Think, I don't think you'll get all the same questions, but that's, like, oh, that's okay. a, a taste of it. Anyway. Um, yeah, I'll send you the link. Anyway. So my other buddy got a 38 and then he made a ton of excuses and then but then my other buddy who I could tell the first buddy thought he was going to do better then got a 40 and so uh we were we were in a group text today uh just chatting and I, just out of the blue completely unprovoked I just said to the first guy Willie who got the 40 I said Willie we can talk about just regular league stuff here in this group text but if we're going to talk about anything that requires any sort of real intellect we should probably just go to a separate Text between the two of us, like, uh, you know, for just people that got 40 or higher on the Wonderlick. That's fantastic. And, uh, you know, it, my other buddy's rolling with it, but you can tell it bothers them. Oh, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing better than stirring the pot like that. That's yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. You need to take the Wonderlick, by the way. I, I will absolutely it's, will. I got to beat a 48 now. That's my new mission it's a, in life. It's a 12 minute time test. So, uh, take it when we get off the air. Uh, all right, folks, we'll be right back with the stock watch right after this. All right, we are back, and I seem to have struck a chord with the wolf talking about the Wonder League test. He he's, says, you know, if this is going to be instituted at the Rotor Street Journal. Uh, you know, we're all going to have to say, what do you think CJ would get on the Wonder League test? 
Uh, how many questions were there about like different stages of pregnancy? I'm not sure. Like uh, maybe one. <laughs> maybe one. He'll get, <laughs> he'll get that one right. But other than that, I'm not so sure what CJ has got in him. All right. So if you work for the Rosary Journal and you're listening to the podcast, uh, you, we're going to expect you to take this thing within the next you know couple days. Yeah, we were saying we're going to determine our uh, draft order. And if you're looking for a unique way to determine your own draft order uh, in your, your hometown leagues, check out the Wonderlick test. It's a, an interesting little way to do things, I'd say. Yeah, we got a few more of those we'll cover in an upcoming episode. Um, Stockwatch. Let's get right into it. Sony Michelle and the Patriots running backs. That's our first thing. Sony Michelle will undergo a procedure on his knee after injuring it in Wednesday's training camp practice. The original fear was that the surgery would cost Michelle all of the preseason and sideline him well into the regular season. However, ESPN's ESPN Boston's Mike Rice, uh, Reese, is it Rice or Reese? I never know how to pronounce it. I think it's that. Rice. I think it's yeah. Rice also. Reports Sony Michelle is expected to be ready for the start of the season. Okay, so with all that, and it took me a long time to say all that stuff. Uh, I mean, is there anything worthwhile in there? Uh, just a little bit, I would say. Yeah, obviously, it's huge. Um, Sony Michelle was, you know, ranked well inside the top 50 of most running back. I mean, uh, most experts' rankings. He was about 51 for me. You know how high I was already on Burkhead. I had him in in this draft guide we're going to preview um, in RotorStreetJournal.com slash training camp again. I had Burkhead listed as one of my main running back bargains. And I, at this point, it's obviously true because there's even more value coming to him. He was, at the time, rated by me 61 ADP and ECR. He was 90 at an ADP, ECR 84. So I was a nice, you know, almost 30 spots higher than what he was going for in drafts. My worry now is that he's going to shoot up so much that he might not become as great of a value anymore. He went up, for me, up yeah. to about 50 on the big board because he seems like the most natural bet to inherit whatever that work was going to be as the, the most versatile guy, the guy that can do the early down work but also catch the ball well whereas James White's still more locked into the receiving down role what I'm worried about now though is if Sony's not in there the Pats love their rotation what if they work in one of these bigger guys Jeremy Hill or Mike Gillisley whichever one makes the team maybe both of them make the team who knows into that goal line role that I think Burkhead was pegged for as long as Michelle was on the field doing some of that early down lifting. Maybe now Belichick pulls Burkhead from that role, keeps him more in the early down role and these, these big guys working. So I'm a little bit nervous about Burkhead now. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was in a great spot to be a, a huge factor there. And I think he still obviously will have some value, especially if he's, again, the main primary ball carrier. But if he loses the goal line carries, that's what made him such a stud. Eight touchdowns in 10 games, including seven in, in the last six, which was just a, an epic tear. He was at a great pace. He was converting all, you know, he had five carries within the five, converted them all. Very efficient guy, doing great. So hopefully he doesn't lose that. If he inherits Sony's work and keeps the goal line role, I mean, he'd be a, a, an RB1. He already was kind of a low-end RB1, the RB12, for the last seven weeks of the season after the uh, after the bye when he came back from injury. So uh, the upside's sky high with Burkhead. I got to track who's getting those goal line touches now. Um, and, and Sony, you know, in the aftermath of this, a lot of people are starting to write him off. Roto World's report saying he's no more than a late round flyer. I disagree with that. I mean, this guy, the Patriots overlooked a ton of humongous defensive deficiencies to take this guy in the first round. They clearly love what they saw. They clearly had a vision for what he was going to do. Um, he's often compared to Alvin Kamara for being slippery and creating after, you know, underrated power and just gliding through holes and gets upfield in a hurry, no waste movement a lot of Alvin Kamara tendencies our guy Dane Brugler um, wrote about Sony Michelle who, who we love wrote elusive and tight quarters due to start stop footwork shows burst in and out of his cuts quickly scans and gets north south excellent timing and initial acceleration through the hole deceiving run strength to maintain balance while tacklers slide off of him that I mean that is Alvin Kamara in, in a nutshell so if this guy is a Patriots version of Alan Kamara and now he's going to fall to a late round flyer status at some point he's going to be worked in this offense and worked in really well um so he fell to 25 spots for me down to 83 but he's not a late round flyer at best this is a guy with high upside in the Patriots offense for sure the wolf demonstrating in that last rant that he can turn any subject into talking about Rex Burkhead um <laughs> Well done. It's crucial. You well got to get it. You're Burkhead. like, you know, uh, this next one, it'd be interesting to see how you turn Jarvis Landry into something about <laughs> Rex Burkhead here. I'm sure it's coming. I would struggle with that. Uh, Rex Burkhead rolls right off your tongue. Gosh, Rex Burkhead, <laughs> this Rex Burkhead, that. I'm surprised you didn't compare the girl you were dating to Rex Burkhead. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> she was losing hair, so I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> all right, Jarvis Landry, underappreciated target hog. And I, I want to just say, first of all, as before I get into this, I appreciate all the quotes you've got in some of these things for me to read. Because, uh, man, I love them. The yep. Cleveland Plain Dealer reports that Jarvis Landry has been Tyrod Taylor's, quote, go-to guy, end quote, in camp. Uh, okay, well, I mean, Josh Gordon's not there, so uh, mm-hmm. who else would his go-to guy be? <laughs> and it's certainly not going to be the next guy we talk about, Corey Coleman, who's right. now gone. He's going to be the next guy on this list. So you're right. It seems a little bit obvious, but it's never a bad thing to be just dominating every look and building that rapport and that chemistry right now is really important. Obviously, Gordon brings a whole different skill set and you know potential every layer of the field where Jarvis Landry is more the intermediate short-range guy. So when Gordon comes back, he could inherit that number one receiver role, but Landry's not just going to disappear, especially with this pre-established chemistry now that he's, he's building. And you know this is a funny little stat. I didn't realize until I was writing up Jarvis Landry for for our guide, he was the PPR wide receiver five ahead of Michael Thomas and Julio Jones last year. Standard league wide receiver 14. So it's not just that he dominated in PPR. He was great in both formats, obviously PPR more so because of how many, how, how well he racks up the ball. But man, this guy got it done. And what was really different about Landry last year, and I know that Todd Haley will milk to its fullest, was his red zone development. You know, he's, everyone knows he was a, a great intermediate short range guy. You can't really argue that when he's the all time NFL record holder for 400 career receptions through his first four seasons. It's the record by 58 catches, too. So, I mean, nobody's even close to what Landry did in his first four years. And because maybe he's under six feet tall, people are forgetting just how well he did in the red zone last year. You know, slants, outs, rub routes, he's really good at getting off the line as fast as anybody. Nobody could really pressure press him. When he has the ball in his hands, he's, he won't be denied at the stripe. He's like a running back with the ball in his hand, just a very aggressive, ferocious runner. He racked up. Oh, timer's up. I'm going to give these stats. I have to. So inside the 20, he racked up an NFL best 18 catches in the red zone on 23 red zone targets, which was trailing only Jimmy Graham's nine red zone TDs. Um, and all nine of those came within the 10-yard line, which kind of blows your mind because Landry, again, not a big guy. He's under six feet tall. You wouldn't look at him as a prototypical red zone guy, but because he's so good at getting off the line and so determined once he has the ball in his hands, he, he was dominating on those slants and whatnot in the red zone. And you know Todd Haley, who's done that with Antonio Brown and maximized his short area quickness, is really going to see that and try to play to his absolute strength. So I think Landry's a complete steal right now. I know I'm going over the time limit now, but I just love this guy so much. His ADP is 52. His ECR is 61. I have him up at 38. So he's completely undersold, undervalued, going to be a low-end wide receiver one that you can get for a wide receiver three price. 38, of course, being Rex Burkhead's number. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just, so any, any I, I actually don't think that's true. I, just, I don't think it is either. But that would be hilarious if it was true. It um, actually might be, though. What is Burke has? No, it's 25, I'm pretty all sure. All right, but that would have been great, you have to admit. That would have been unbelievable. That would have been so great. Um, all right, Corey <laughs> Coleman traded to Buffalo. The Bills acquired wide receiver Corey Coleman from the Browns in exchange for an undisclosed pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Now, when the pick you get is undisclosed, that's pretty much the same as like trading someone for a can of lima beans, right? Yep. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> Pretty much. And it actually came out that it was a seventh round pick. So they essentially <laughs> didn't give up anything to get this guy. And you look at that, and this is a guy that once was a first round pick that won the uh, Billet Kanoff Award, whatever, however you pronounce it, as the, the nation's top college receiver in 2015. So, I mean, he had some ridiculous freakish ability, scored 20 touchdowns, ran a 4 3 7 40. Um, you know, it's 5 11, athletic freak, led the combine with his vertical broad jump. All types of natural ability, but he's obviously been played with inconsistency, with durability issues, with some drops throughout his career. Obviously, last year, they saw the Brown season end with a Corey Coleman drop, which everyone's burned into their mind. But he offers way more than anything the Bills receiving core currently does. All they have at the top is Kelvin Benjamin. If you had one word to describe him, I'm sure I know what you would say, Nat. Fat? Yes, right on cue. <laughs> Fat. So, I mean, yes, it's a big body. You can go Dude, up and I saw a stat on Calvin, uh, on Calvin <laughs> Benjamin the other day, and it well, had nothing to do with his weight, and I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but it was something like, uh, uh, gosh, it was something like their record with Calvin Benjamin uh, was like 3-21 and 21 or something, and their, oh and their record with him was like above 500. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just so absurd. I may yeah. have I may have just made that stat up and or read it wrong, but when I saw it, I was horrified. 
It doesn't. It seems to make sense to me too. He's just not that good, and that's who Corey Coleman has to beat out to be the number one receiver. It's going to be an awful offense. It's going to be you know, tough to depend on anybody there week to week. But I think they're going to be a bad team in general, and they're going to be playing from behind a lot. So Corey Coleman does have some garbage time upside. Again, he's had some huge gains in his career too. His second game in the pros was a five catch over 100 yards, two touchdowns against Baltimore, and then he got hurt. And he's had a couple of those flashes, other big games throughout his career. But ultimately, obviously, he needs to work on those durability, those consistency woes. He had This is the best opportunity he possibly has. So I'm glad he got traded out of Cleveland. He had no upside there. It's the best landing spot because of how wide open that wide receiver core is. Becomes a penny stock. Somebody you throw on your radar for the late rounds, for sure. Yeah, I actually think, uh, you know, this only helps him. I mean, you know. Definitely. So, I mean, good for him. And I guess the Browns just wanted him off the, their team so bad that they're willing to take nothing for him. All right, let's do some rapid fire. Uh, got some good quotes in this one. ESPN's Todd Archer reports the Cowboys offense has, quote, struggled in getting the ball down the field, end quote, in training camp. Shocker. Who the hell are they going to throw to? So Dak Prescott, how could he be above your QB 20 right now? No upside. Don't love anything there. I mean, how, how are you going to think that Zeke is so great when they can stack the box against him? Uh, that because they can't move the ball downfield at all, they're going to be dump, dump, dump. I think this is the year that Zeke catches like 80 balls. And he'd be, okay. you know how Gurley kind of had that massive leap last year? Yeah. I'm predicting that for Zeke. I think he becomes a massive receiver. And the line's just so good that even okay. with a stacked box, it, it's just going to, the offense is going to be all Zeke. That's literally all I'm picturing right now. Okay. The Providence Journal's Mark Daniel writes Cordero Patterson has been, quote, turning heads, unquote, as a receiver during training camp. <laughs> fool me five times shame on i don't even know the world but Cordell patterson he goes for nothing he's going undrafted right now and and this offense if they can finally remember belichick we had this line way back in like february talked about how he's going to make patterson the player he could be that maybe he's turning into the receiver he always could be a lot of catch and run upside dude, and that's what the patriots do best dude i remember the first year that we had a fantasy league together at work I took Cordero Patterson. I want to say in the third round. It might have been the fourth yeah. round, but I, I think it was the third round. And I'm not just saying that mocking myself, but you and several other people were legitimately pissed that I got him. Yeah. Like, we're just like, oh, he got Cordero Patterson in the third round. I was going to take him. I mean, right. God. I, I was all in that year. Remember the first game, too? He had that like 90 yard touchdown. Sure. Of course, like, I remember the first yes. game. He was dominant. I was like, this is, I mean, this is just like printing my own money. The trade uh, offers I got for him when he had that, and I and I've turned down. Oh, I turned down I turned so many Antonio trades. Brown. I was like, "You kidding me? That's like you know trading Calvin Johnson or something like that." <laughs> this guy's amazing. Kenyon uh, Drake and Frank Gore were listed as co-starters. Oh shit! On the Dolphins' initial training camp depth chart, what a cop out thing to write <laughs> on your depth chart. I know, absolutely. I think your oh shit reaction explains it perfectly. Just another reason why Kenyon Drake is completely overvalued, stuck in a bad offense, not a clear number one starter yet. Maybe it's a motivational tactic by Gates, who's done this before and long term. You remember that whole Arian Foster and Jay Ajayi kind of thing going on, and finally Ajayi took over and and destroyed it middle of the season? Maybe that's happened with Drake this year, but he's completely on my do not draft radar at this point. Colts owner Jim Ursay. Of he of the pill popping uh, Ursay family said he could see Marlon Mack quote approaching fifteen hundred yards unquote. Well, God, go ahead and react to that. Yeah, that's not happening at all. It's a committee situation. Frank Reich's always used committees, and the other two rookie backs are really impressive right now. No chance Mack comes even close to that. Ursay's so hopped up on like oxycontin and stuff, he doesn't know what he's saying anyway. Not even if he was stone cold sober, which he's not. Uh, I wouldn't take his opinion on what Marlon Mack's going to approach in a million years seriously. No. Dolphins tight end Mike Gesicki has, quote, already developed, unquote, into one of Ryan Tannehill's favorite targets. Already. And this guy's an athletic Already. Freak. Already. I, I know. It's so fast. But he's an athletic freak. Gase has made great use of tight ends that can go up and jump and get the ball. And this guy has an unbelievable vertical lead to combine with it. Um, loves to use that rebounding as that basketball background, similar to Julius Thomas back in the the Broncos days. I really think he could lead this team in receiving touchdowns, especially with how sad that receiving core is. Definitely a penny stock you need to have on your radar at the tight end position. Julian Edelman said he does not have his, quote, camp legs, unquote, under him yet, obviously because he's not taking steroids anymore. Uh, Thoughts, Wolf? (laughs) And I think this is another reason why that four-game suspension isn't actually that bad of a thing right now. No, it's not bad at all. 
he has more time to recover. He's going to come in motivated, healthier, fresher than anybody else on the field. And he's going to do what he always did. And he goes in pick 90 or so right now. You can get him in round eight, nine. When he comes back, he's going to be a, a wide receiver one in PPR and a wide receiver two or th- worse three in standard. And you're going to be able to get him as a bench player price. I'm taking that all day. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk fantasy market report. We're going to talk bargains, overpriced guys, and penny stocks. And this is just to kind of whet your appetite for the big, big, big market report guide that's going to be coming out in a little while. Uh, More on that right after this. All right, we are back. We got a fantasy market report here. Like I said, we're going to talk bargains, overprices, penny stocks to give you a little taste of our market report guide that is coming up soon. This is kind of the equivalent of uh, the Rotor Street Manifesto, if you will. I know that term has been used to death, but it really is. It's like a phone book of information, and there's just so much good stuff in it. And right now, it's free, believe it or not. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean this, but I, I, there's kind of... Uh, we're doing that for a limited number of people, right? Yeah. So the way it's working right now is the guide itself, if you want to just buy that separately, is five bucks. Um, but if you want to join the Wolfpack, which will eventually cost about 30 bucks a year or so, we're still figuring out the exact pricing. It's going to be free and you'll get all the rest of our draft guides. What comes with the Wolfpack is going to be, you know, all our draft guides will come with it for free. You'll be access to a great community message board that we're working on building now. It's going to require an application actually to be a part of because we only want the most elite active wolves to be part of it. Um, you'll have access to that. You're going to get expert only special, you know, episodes of shows and sit start questions where nobody else will have access to it. Guaranteed discounts on little consulting packages, things like that. It's going to be a great deal that you want to take advantage of. And for now, if you join, you'll have the first year of it absolutely free. So if you want to do that to get all our draft guides, just visit rotostreetjournal.com slash wolfpack dash members. Uh, again, grocerygeneral.com slash Wolfpack dash members. And that's a way you can sign up for that. Get this draft guide and every other draft guide we release for absolutely free. Like you said, if you're one of the first 500. Um, so otherwise it'll cost you five bucks to get this. But it's again, regardless of which way you do it, if you want it for free, do it that way. If you want to pay five bucks, it's going to be well worth either way that you, uh, you access this thing. Yeah, I want to just point out if you don't do the join the Wolfpack way, you're kind of nuts. But we will yeah, ta- be well, we, we will take your money. Uh, Absolutely. If if you really don't want to be affiliated with the wolf that much, <laughs> all right. Let's get right into it. Uh, a little teaser here. Let's talk bargains. You got two bargains you're going to talk about, and there's a lot more bargains in in the guide than this. But we're going to give you two. We're going to talk Evan Ingram. We're going to talk Wolf Will Fuller. Um, so let's talk about him right now. Let's go to Ingram first. Yeah, and I wanted to make sure to pick two names, especially for our longtime listeners that. We might have not talked about as much on this podcast. Some of the names in that guide will be recurring guys. You can probably guess who they are already if you're an avid listener of the podcast with tons of new information about those guys nonetheless. But Ingram, a guy that I'm absolutely in love with because in general, the tight end position, and we talk about bargains too. I just want to preface this. We're not talking about really late round guys. Those are what we call penny stocks after 120 or so ADP is where we get into the penny stock range. And there's tons of tight ends loaded in that range. But otherwise, you're either paying a fair price, like getting Gronk at the end of round two or so, or you're getting Kelsey, you know, round three, Ertz late round three, you're paying a good fair price for an elite guy, or otherwise I don't really like the price you're paying for any of these tight ends. Ingram's the one guy I look at as a bargain, a guy that is going later than he should, but I think offers that tight end one locked in upside um, for for a cheaper price than what you had to pay to get an Ertz or a Kelsey. He's going to be this year's Ertz is my kind of prediction about it, that you get him at that lower price and he explodes and joins that tier next year. And after last year, he was the tight end five already as a rookie at the hardest position to translate to. 64 catches, 722 yards, six TDs. Already had a great year and has come out and said the game slowed down a ton for me right now. Um, you know, everybody from camp, you know, whether it's Saquon Barkley saying, I played with Gasecki at Penn State and this guy's just even more freakish. Eli Apple, their top cornerback, is saying he's damn near uncoverable. The situations they put him in and the way they have him run routes 
Brooks. That's what I'm loving so much about him. The target share might go down. In fact, it will. He's he's facing now Odell Beckham's coming back. You got Saquon Barkley now. We know how Shermer loves to target his running backs. So the volume is going to go down a bit for Ingram. He led the. He was second among tight ends last year with 115 targets. He probably won't see that wave. But what I think is going to happen is that quality of those targets is going to go up so much more because Shermer, just like Eli Apple said, is going to put him in so many unique situations. He's been moved all around the formation, according to a beat writer who in that we're actually uh, have on the podcast, I believe next week. Uh, his name's Dan Shiner, and he's been down at every practice saying they're moving Evan Ingram all over the field, being used on different route depths. Uh, he's lined up at Z receiver, all three wide receivers in the trips. He's been moved to all three different positions. And this guy, Dan Schneider, the reason I reached out to him to get him on, he said Evan Ingram's been the best offensive player on the field. And that's, again, a field with Barkley, a field with Odell on it. He's saying Ingram's been that impressive. And all other reports are saying, too, he's been Eli Manning's go-to guy, the most targeted option through 20 practices this year, including the mini camps including OTAs and now training camp. He remains his most targeted guy, and that's with Odell Beckham. I know he's getting worked in and maybe a little bit slower, so you got to take it with a little bit of grain of salt. But big plays every practice, one-handed catches against linebackers and D-backs can't match up with his size or speed. This guy's a freak. He's going at pick 60 right now. I have him up at 48 in my rankings, and I think he's a clear, absolute bargain steal at the tight end position. Um, and last thing I'll say, Nat, on that too, is there's so many bargains as if you read this guide, you'll find out at the wide receiver position that you've had those years where you just flounder at tight end. You're constantly rotating crap like Cam and Britt. You remember how often I wanted to fucking murder that guy last year, how many times we shit on him. And I talked about how he'd be the guy I'd punch in the face if I could punch yes, anyone in the face. Yes. And I you said, know. do you remember who mine was? Oh, oh, fuck. Who's yours? No, tell me again. Tell me again. Eric Decker. Oh, of course it was Eric Decker. That's right. He just spit a loogie right in his face. Um, you know, Engram will give you that stability that you don't have to have that shitty fucking rotation. It's going to cost you a fifth-round pick or so, but you've already had the chance to go two running backs, two receivers like we preach, and then you lock up Evan Ingram. I think it's a great strategy because of how many good receivers are available late. I love the value you're getting on him. All right, Will, will Fuller. Um, the ADP average draft draft position for this guy is 72. He generally goes at wide receiver 28. The so-called experts have him at 91 overall, 38th wide receiver. The Wolf has him at 62 overall, 27th wide receiver. So, uh, as far as the ADP goes, uh, they're right around the same. Uh, the Wolf has him 10 spots about higher overall. So higher, yeah. Uh, the, well, you have him 10 spots higher. That's significant. And you got him about yeah. two and a half rounds higher than the experts. Talk to us about Wolf, Will Fuller. Uh, sell us on him. I'll sell you on him by kind of selling you the offense of the Texans last year. And again, it's is it due for regression? I get that. But listen to these stats. Absolutely insanity here. When Watson, Hopkins, and Fuller were all on the field together, which was only four games last year, the Texans, the Texans averaged 40.5 points per game. Watson threw 14 of his 19 touchdowns when he had all three of those guys on the field together. Seven apiece, or uh, seven to Fuller, six to Hopkins. Um, and when they were at home for those three games, Watson threw 12 of those touchdown passes. And then you look at Fuller's stats specifically, he had 13 catches for 279 of his ultimate 423 yards on the season with seven, again, seven of those touchdowns in only four games. That's a, for those counting at home, uh, 1116 yard, 28 TD pace for Will Fuller. Is he going to actually match that pace? No, of course not. But I don't think it's going to regress so hard as everybody's saying to the point that he's now suddenly a, a nobody. It's as well, if he could gonna- he could score a third that many touchdowns and still be an extremely viable fantasy receiver. Exactly. A third. Exactly. So- Right? You know what I mean? And I don't think the touchdowns, yes, it's fluky to have that many, you know, over half his catches went for touchdowns under Watson. Yes, that's a little bit fluky. I get it. But ultimately, that happened because he's such a good deep burner. He excels at getting behind the defense. That's what Coach O'Brien says about this guy is nobody gets behind the defense as good as Will Fuller, and we're going to just keep using that to our fullest advantage. It's not like they're going to suddenly become this non-vertical attack. And Watson buys time so well in the pocket and can just sling the ball so well on the run. Flick of the wrist, it goes flying down the field. It's perfect for Fuller. He's not going to be able to see. You know, you can't put a safety over him and Hopkins, so he often draws weaker coverage that he can just destroy on his own. He blazes a 4.2840, one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Bulked up a little bit. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. So maybe that's the one concern with him is his durability. Maybe this helps him actually stay healthier. The wide receiver coach has noted he's running a more full route tree because of the added size. He's been absolutely burning people and plat. 
uh, practice, the quote was blowing past defenders every single day. Um, and, and O'Brien said he's a huge part of what we're trying to do. So it's not like he's going to suddenly disappear. They're going to continue to be a very aggressive attack. I don't see why this offense would suddenly, you know, yes, the touchdown rate will go down a little bit, but ultimately I think he's still going to destroy his ADP or his expert, especially his expert consensus ranking at 90. There's so much upside here. Even if he only lasts 10 games or so, you got to make sure you, you invest in this guy. The, it, it's, it's, you got to get a piece of that Texans offense, and this is the cheapest way to do so, I would say. All right, let's talk overprices, the opposite of what the Wolf is talking about before. These are some guys that the experts, the ADP, uh, their average uh, draft position, much higher than what the Wolf is willing to concede. Uh, for Russell Wilson, his average draft position, 49. The experts have him at 51. Wolf has him at 78. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas the uh, his average draft position is quarterback four, experts have him at quarterback two. The wolf has him at quarterback eight. By the way, this is called sticking your neck out. This is called like bucking. You know, you know, just not not being scared to actually take a stand on something. Everyone loves Russell Wilson. The wolf really doesn't. Uh, no. And so and and you know, my guess would be because I know the wolf pretty well. He's about to state his case for why not. Exactly. I'll go out there and stick the neck out and say, and this is actually a really hard one to do that for because he was the number one quarterback last year, but a top three score in three of his last four years, a top three quarterback. So this isn't easy to do. Um, but ultimately when I look at every, and, and you know, he's such a high score because he's got that mobility, you get the rushing points, he's got a great arm and he really elevates everyone around him. So it, again, this is hard. I love the guys at individual talent. So it's not easy for me to say this guy's not going to be a top three quarterback. Like everybody has him, but I just hate everything else other than Russell Wilson. Um, in this situation, the surrounding talents got awful, especially on the line pro football focuses. He's going to be under constant duress, which, yes, I get, leads to some rushing totals and some rushing points. But ultimately, we saw two years ago, he took so many hits that he stopped running. He was way ineffective. I see that being a major liability again. Plus, you remove Jimmy Graham and Paul Richardson, two of his top three targets. Doug Baldwin shelved with a knee injury right now, had knee surgery. You got to imagine that could linger all season. Who the hell else does he have to throw to? Tyler Lockett? I mean, the weapons cabinet's barren. The line is horrible. And then you got a team that's really trying to go back to its running way roots. We got Bob Condotta, a guy we keep bringing up, gives us tons of good fire quotes out of the Seattle beat scene, said what Carroll would like to do is get his pass-to-run percentage more to where it was in 2013 or 2014, where it was 47% and 48% pass-to-run ratio. So they only passed it 47 or 48% of the time as compared to almost 60% this year. They really want to get back to those running routes. And it's... You know, one thing to have a beat writer guy say that, but then you look at everything Pete Carroll's done. He went and drafted Rashad Penny at number 27 overall, so going and trying to get his uh, another back. He then hired Brian Schottenheimer at the offensive coordinator and said the main reason I did that was his commitment to the run wherever he's been. Brian Schottenheimer, of course, was with the Jets for so many years when all they did was run the ball with Sean Green and Latanian Thompson. No matter how ineffective they were, they would just keep running the ball until, you know, Mark Sanchez – didn't even toss a pass. It was, and who can blame him? You have Mark Sanchez, but ultimately this guy is always grounded in a running centric attack. And Schottenheimer himself said, when I got hired, the first thing Pete told me from the very beginning was something you have to do is run this ball when people know we're going to run it. And if you lose that, we become one dimensional and that's hard. So he's fully committed to the run. You got a team again now that's committed to the run, trying to get back to those run game roots. They've always had when they had Marshawn Lynch, you got a horrible surrounding situation for this guy. And those years when they were so committed to the run that's when Russell Wilson finishes the QB8 and QB9 respectively in the 2013-2014 years they're trying to emulate now so the the one risk with then calling him a bust is the the defense is going to be horrible and that's what you need you need a defense to be able to stick to the run and if they're going to be as bad as I think they are that's a little bit dangerous for Russell you know to say Russell Wilson won't blow up because he plays really well from behind um, and is one of those great quarterbacks has huge fancy days when he's got to play catch-up that could be happening a lot in 2018, but if they are able to establish that run game presence and they have such barren weapons cabinets otherwise, I don't like what that means for Russell Wilson. I'm saying QB8, QB9 is right where I have him ranked as opposed to QB2 or 3. All right, Christian McCaffrey, another guy that some people just love. His actual average draft position is 18th. Uh, they like him as the 12th running back off the board, which is, I mean, that, that's substantial. That's quite a good ranking. Uh, the experts have him going around 26th, their 15th running back. Uh, your rank, 39th, speaking of sticking your neck out, 39th 
Um, 21 spots below her, uh, below where his ADP is, um, and you have him as your 20th running back coming off the board. Uh, explain, I actually have a good friend who is really high on McCaffrey, who's actually trying to make some pre-draft day deals to get him off someone that has him as one of his two keepers. I told him, we're doing a segment tonight on why this guy's overpriced, so I know he's listening. Uh, explain to Willie why Christian McCaffrey is overvalued. And Willie, I love Christian McCaffrey as a player myself. Individual talent grades out very high. Last year, he was on the opposite list from me, on the bargain list as someone that was getting disrespected and undervalued. But now going so high, he's a committee back. I don't care that Norv Turner's saying you can expect 25 to 30 touches. That's complete bullshit. And if he gets 25 to 30 touches, he's going to break down. He's not big enough. And I know he got more jacked and added some pounds of muscle and whatnot. And he improved as an interior runner as the season went on and averaged, you know, 5.8 yards per carry down the stretch as compared to only you know 3.0 yards per carry at the beginning of the year. I get all that, but he's not going to just get fed 25 to 30 touches no matter what Turner or Rivera say. That's complete coach speak, especially when you go out and get a guy like C.J. Anderson. He's not going to be a non-factor. C.J. Anderson coming off his first thousand yard year as a running back and I think is still a very underrated talent in this league, a bowling ball runner who I absolutely love, a souped-up version of Jonathan Stewart. Why, if you get a better version of Jonathan Stewart, would you suddenly erase those carries that Jonathan Stewart was inheriting, which was, again, all that goal line work? He was, Jonathan Stewart was toward the top five in the league in goal line carries. I don't think Christian McCaffrey suddenly steals that from C.J. Anderson, uh, who's a great goal line runner himself. Anderson, a fantastic pass blocker as well, a good receiver. I see him being kind of that Mike Tolbert in the North Turner mold. He had Tolbert for so many years, and Tolbert Tolbert had 10 touchdowns, 950 yards in back-to-back seasons. I think, you know, I think Anderson does that this year to the expense of McCaffrey. And even if McCaffrey's used well and racks up some stats, ultimately you have 950 yards and 10 touchdowns stolen out of it. There's only so much damage you're going to be able to do with that. So at 18 overall over a guy like McKinnon or Jordan Howard with much clearer workloads and volume coming to him blows my mind. I, I like McCaffrey as a talent, but I don't like the fact that he's got CJ Anderson to contend with. Not a great line anyways. I, I don't like that at all. I mean, putting him at 18 overall, I mean, that that's taking him over the likes of Gronk. That's taking yep. him over some real serious players that I would certainly not touch him over. So uh, good job making your case, uh, Willie. I guarantee you we'll have a response to this because that's the type of guy. He is. By the way, Willie, the Let's guy, that, Willie, the guy who got the forty on the Wonder League test, uh, oh, and, is, and so can that. can look down on my other buddy who got a pathetic thirty-eight. Tell All him right. to send a, a little. You remember the speak pipe? We still have that app on the site. Send in a little voicemail, Willie. Let us know your thoughts to this. Give me a rebuttal. Well, once once this guy gets his foot into the show like that, he would have to be a regular on the show. He is. I'm fine. He with is it. like the funniest guy I've ever met. I want life. it. Get him in. <laughs> Willie, send us something in. And speaking of regulars, the meat sweats came out of nowhere at the bar on Saturday, just like came up, bear hugged me from behind and then ended up sending me like three shots, you know, an hour later at the bar on Saturday and told me he's returning to the podcast soon. So all you longtime listeners that know and, all and you love meat sweats sweaty fans. Meats, <laughs> he's coming back. He told me he's uh, he's uh, done with fantasy baseball. He's full-time football mode now, and he's coming back to the pod soon. So stay tuned for Meat Sweats Part 2. All right, we're going to get on to Penny Stocks. These will do a little <laughs> bit quicker. Um, and we're actually going to kind of use a guest's tweet. Uh, one of our favorite guys uh, sent out a great tweet about this first guy, uh, Cameron Meredith. Uh, we're going to use Derek Brown. Is that correct? I mean, uh, The Derek Brown? Yeah, he had a great tweet. Um, so me and and Pete Davidson, another guy who who works for WI, great fantasy mind. Not we the talking, Pete Davidson that's engaged to Ariana Grande. No, not that Pete Davidson. Unfortunately, uh, a different guy, but um, a smart guy nonetheless. <laughs> uh, he gave me actually my kind of first fantasy gig in the in the business, which I'll always be thankful for to, to Pete. And we're gonna have him on the show at some point this offseason. He already agreed to. Uh, Come on, I'm pulling up the tweet now, but Cameron Meredith, one thing I love about him is he's a Marquise Colston clone, a long, rangy guy um, that brings a lot of size to the slot, but has that foot quickness to still run all those intermediate routes really, really well. So I, I absolutely love what he brings to the table, especially when you consider Drew Brees' history with Marquise Colston. Um, uh, you know, you, you can't, you, you love the talent type of profile that they went out and got because it's, it just has historically worked so well, um, with, with, uh, Breeze. 
And Meredith himself has some dominant stretches in the past where he had over 19 points in five contests, double-digit fantasy points in seven of his 13 games when he played with the Bears as an undrafted free agent. And that was with Matt Barkley throwing the ball. So, you know, seven out of 13 games, you're going 19 fantasy points in five of those seven, 22 points in three of them, and over 26 in two of those games. I mean, this guy has a humongous ceiling. And now you give him Sean Payton, the best play caller, one of the best play callers in the league. Drew Brees, obviously one of the best quarterbacks backs in the league there's humongous upside for a guy that's going at pick 140 150 and then so the the question becomes though do they go back to those pass catching roots now Breeze had thrown 32 plus touchdowns in nine out of ten seasons leading up into last year obviously you know last year was the run heavy attack Breeze kind of regressed as it became a Kamara Ingram focused offense you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Are they going to stick to that run-heavy approach? My guess would be yes. Why Why would they go back um, on that? And that's where Derek Brown's tweet came in is to kind of give us some reason why they might reach those those pass-catching routes. So I'm pulling up the tweet now. Um, and Derek Brown, where is it right here? Uh, Derek Brown's response. Um Sorry. So while their schedule coincides with seven opponents that ranked in the top 10 most passing yards allowed. So they've got uh, all these opponents that are very generous against the pass um, and a few matchups with very good offenses like the Rams, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. So he's projecting some shootout games. He's thinking about 11 of the, or so of those games, considering the horrible pass defenses, plus a, a, a game flow shootout type of matchups with these heavy, potent uh, juggernaut offenses means they're going to get back to their pass-happy ways as well. So obviously that would mean Breeze could approach those 32-plus touchdowns again. And Meredith, as the long-rangey slot guy, could easily be on the receiving end of eight or so of those. Again, going so late, humongous upside. All right, last penny stock. Latavius Murray, back from the dead for like the third time probably. Yeah. Why should we give a shit about Latavius Murray? Because, one, I think the Vikings offense is going to be one of those juggernaut guys this year uh, with Kirk Cousins, with John DeFilippo, who I absolutely love as a play caller, rotostreetjournal.com slash John Dash DeFilippo. If you want a great breakdown on him, he's bringing a guy that really loves to specialize in putting people in their roles. Now, I know Dalvin Cook going to be the workhorse guy. He's a beast. He's going to be a huge passer catch, pass catcher under DeFilippo. I think he's going to catch 60-plus balls. He's going to be the engine of this offense out of the backfield. But Murray is a very good short yardage back. Last year, led the league, uh, was third in the league in um, carries within the 20, uh, fourth in carries within the 10, and five-yard line as well. And he's consistently converted those. Six of his eight touchdowns last year were carries from within the five-yard line. And he, again, plows through the line like a beast. I could see that being the area they kind of lighten Cook's load, uh, pull him off the field, and send in Murray to kind of take that battering ram punishment on short yardage and at the goal line. And if this offense is going to be as good as I think, they're going to be on that five-yard line quite a bit, which gives Murray, uh, you know, I would say legitimate nine to 10 touchdown upside. He had eight last year uh, in that role, which has its own standalone value. But obviously you get the benefit of maybe one of the best handcuff situations in the entire league. If Cook coming off a, a knee surgery doesn't come in fully healthy or ready to go or gets hurt again by, you know, for whatever reason, Murray's going to step into a, an excellent situation. They don't have McKinnon there, so he'd be a true three-down horse. So it's, it's remember how we talk about handcuff with benefits, right? This is sure. the ultimate handcuff with benefits. Great handcuff situation, but potential 10-plus rushing touchdown upside at pick 148 right now. I consider that an absolute steal. Yeah, you sold me. I thought you were going to struggle to sell me on that one, but well done. I'm actually kind of interested in Latavius Murray now, and I never thought you would hear me say that sentence <laughs> in 2018. All right, when we come back, we're going to wrap things up with uh, one of our newest segments, Tear Jerkers. And we're going to be uh, welcoming back to the pod, Audio Guy Joe. Not to be confused with Audio Guy Nate, who is uh, living the rock star lifestyle right now, but we hope we'll see him again uh, before too long. But uh, Audio Guy Joe is going to come back and he's going to bust out Tear Jerkers with the Wolf of Roto Street himself right after this. We are back, as advertised, with uh, 
Sound guy Joe. I mean, he's recently just kind of gotten that title attached to the front of his name. Like like, like I said, sound guy Nate off being a rock star, living with rock stars, from what I understand. Um, but sound guy Joe dropping the field Yates pod like a hot potato immediately, uh, right when we needed him to. And he's also pretty darn good at stuff like uh, challenging the wolf on his tears and so on uh, in the fantasy rankings. So welcome back to the show, Joe. Thanks for having me. Actually, you like the name I saw on the Google Doc, Roto Joe. I thought that had a little little flair to it. Roto so Joe like, is is actually that's that's your uh, given name. That's Roto okay. Joe is actually your name. You're kind of Sound Guy Joe just now by default. But just if anybody's curious about who this guy actually is, he's Roto Joe. Um, <laughs> all right, Tear Jerkers. Great segment. First of all, uh, great great title for a segment. Tear Jerkers. I love anything with jerkers at the end of it. Um, tear jerkers, uh, you know, this is how I'm going to break this segment down for you guys. Any good ranking set is made up of tiers and field Yates. Actually, uh, this is one of the things we did agree with field on. He also agrees that you should kind of lump these guys into tiers. We're big believers in that, uh, or similarly grouped fantasy values. Like for instance, like the low end wide receiver ones or upside running back twos, mid range quarterback ones. These are all examples of tier titles. Um, this helps project positional overall drop-offs um, and to make an overall big board much easier to kind of make and, in my opinion, navigate as well. Um, you know, if you're looking, if you're trying to fill a hole there um, and you got a tier of guys you're looking at, to me, that makes it a lot easier. Check out rotostreetjournal.com slash big board for the best uh, big board in the business, if you're curious. That's my unbiased opinion. Um, but when you're on the clock and it's ticking down and you're not picking a group, you need a player. So you can't just say, hey, every guy in this tier is the same. You're not allowed to do that. You know who I'm talking to. Uh, <laughs> those brutal tiers of players that are going to cause, uh, you know, tears to be jerked out of our bodies. Uh, hence, tear jerkers. And, of course, the sleepless nights that are going to come with us screaming into our pillows, pounding our pillows, uh, doing just terrible, terrible things to our pillows. Uh, to help you sift through this madness come draft day, the Wolf, Roto Joe, also known as Sound Guy Joe, but we're going to go with Roto Joe for argument's sake here, and the truth. We're going to select a tier for each episode. We're going to break down each player in the tier, both pluses and minuses, and we're going to finalize it with a final rankings list of this tier. Tonight's tier, the round two low-end wide receiver ones. Does that sound pretty specific to you? Well, it is, but when you hear these names, you're going to understand why we're doing this because you're going to hear these guys and you're going to be like, shit. I don't know which one of these guys I would take first. Well, luckily, that's why we got Roto Joe here. That's why we got the Wolf here. The guys are as follows. And remember, these are low-end wide receiver ones. Keenan Allen, A.J. Green, Devontae Adams, and Mike Evans. Wow. I challenge you guys. Put them in order. So, I would like to say I clearly think the top of this tier is pretty easy. I like Keenan Allen. Um, He's wide receiver three last year. As an extension injury history, but like me and Wolf were talking about the other day, the injuries were kind of fluky, like a lacerated kidney. That's not something that's going to be reoccurring unless you're an extremely unlucky human being, um, which he is. And, you know, he's just a target hog in that offense. He might get some more red zone targets with, you know, no viable t- tight end currently on the roster. Hunter Henry's hurt and Gates is unsigned for now. So I like Allen at the top. The top for me, and he really came to his own last season, probably there in the second half, I would say. I, I owned him, and beginning of the year, he was solid, high-floor guy, but wasn't really blowing the, the numbers off the, the charts, never winning you weeks. But by the end of the season, he fully came into his own. You could tell he was really recovered from that knee injury. Finished the season as the number one receiver over that second half. I know Antonio Brown's injury probably made that a little easier, but the guy really thrived on the stretch, and like you said, less competition for targets with Hunter Henry now out of there. I love Allen. I think he's actually the clear guy at the top of this list, too, so no disagreements here. I hate Allen. <laughs> Why do you hate him so much? Because he's single-handedly lost me uh, at least one championship. Just, I mean, gosh, I hate him so much. I will never own that guy. He is at the bottom of this tier. Um, <laughs> Man, I mean, I, I, have, I have such a grudge to with. No, I mean, I like him better than Mike Evans, but no, I would not take him at the top of the tier. Um, all right, let's talk. Keep going, guys. Who said that? sounds a little bit like when you, you break up with somebody and they're not that bad of a human being, but then you we ask you know the X about them and you just get the worst things about that. <laughs> Joe, That's- Joe, it's not kind of like that. It's exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so true, though. There's fan. You could call them fantasy exes, right? That's actually a good glossary term right there. Maybe that's what we branded as. There's so many guys like that that you just never want to touch again because they ruined your season for you. I'm absolutely – coming up for me next on the list would be Devontae Adams. And if he guaranteed me all 16 games, I'd probably put him at the top. But the risk with him is unlike Allen – um, he's similar to Allen. He has an injury history, but unlike Allen, his is a little bit more predictable. He's had three concussions in his career. He's rebounded from them all very nicely, but concussions are obviously the more you have, the higher likelihood you are to have another one. And when you reach a certain point in the NFL, you can get knocked out, not just for a year, but for your entire career. And he's slowly getting towards that scary point of too many concussions. And his have been some really hard friggin' hits. So that makes me nervous about him. But if you give me 16 games, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, top receiver, Jordy Nelson obviously has thrived over 1,400 yards and double-digit touchdowns. Whenever he's played 16 games, it was essentially a lock. And I think Adams, especially at this stage of his career, was separating far more than Jordy Nelson was able to last year. So you get a guy that can put the ball wherever he wants in Aaron Rodgers. You get a proven red zone guy in Devontae Adams who has double-digit TDs back-to-back years. Got the job done with Brett fucking Hundley, and now he gets a full season of Aaron Rodgers. Upside sky high to me, Adams was again, would be the guy above even Keenan Allen if you gave me 16 games. I love him as my number two one here. Who's your number two guy, Joe? It's really close. I had a really tough debate about this when we were doing the um, mock draft, but I went with Mike Evans, and I'm going to stick with him for now, and the injury concern is the biggest reason why. It was kind of the tiebreaker for me. Like Wolf said, two there were three concussions in his career, two horrific ones last year. He's out cold on the turf um, against the Bears and the Panthers. I don't know what it is about those <laughs> large animals. Just like <laughs> <laughs> They'll lay out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right. But, yeah, I mean, everything you said about his upside is fantastic. I mean, double-digit touchdowns, I'd be shocked if he doesn't do that again this year should his health hold up. But I, I thought Mike Evans was really close. Uh, Jameis Winston being out three games is not a concern to me. He actually averaged the same amount of touchdowns, more yards, and more receptions a game with uh, Fitzpatrick instead of uh, Winston. So that's not really a downgrade for me. Um, And then Mike Evans, he kind of does this yo-yo where double-digit touchdowns and then he'll have like four. Right. Well, guess what? Yo-Yo's coming back up this year if uh, we're going to stick to that pattern. Um, (laughs) And sometimes you got to be a little superstitious in fantasy. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Mike Evans, but it's damn close. Just to, uh, you know, for me to chime in here, Devontae Adams, my number one guy on this list. Um, I would put him above Keenan Allen for obvious reasons. Um, and I just, I think Aaron Rodgers, number one guy, I'm all in. You said what he did with Jordy Nelson, by the way, Wolf, Jordy Nelson looking like he's 28 in training camp. I don't know. I don't (laughs) know if you've heard that. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but that is the rumor that's going around the NFL. Um, I heard he was ridiculous. What'd you hear? I heard he was running. Still nervous about signing the new apartments. Running like a 28 year old man. Wow. Um, all right. Uh, let's go. Number three, Wolf right now. You've got Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams. Who's your third guy? A.J. Green. Evans, I know he's your number two, Joe, but he's going to the bottom of this list for me. And if it is the every other year plan, which it seems to be for him, then I'm going to regret that because maybe he bounces back and is that dominant guy I had up at number four overall last year. But this is kind of like Matt said, the spite, the X. I don't want to go back in on him after he burned me real hard last year, made me look like a fool. And I'm just nervous about that overall offense as a whole. The line is god-awful. They can't protect anybody. Winston's just going to be chucking interception after interception again. I don't, I don't see the box rebounding. I don't think they made the right moves this year to fix what their biggest woes were. So give me A.J. Green, a guy that's had over 1,000 yards in six out of his seven years. A little bit inconsistent, kind of like Julio Jones in that sense where it seems to be a humongous blow-up. He only had three games with 100 receiving yards last year. Uh, but all three of those came after Laser took over as offensive coordinator. He's now had a full off season to kind of put his stamp on the playbook. And he said they're really starting to click and he's really feeling like he has the, the reins here now, whereas last year he was taken over midseason and didn't really get to put his full mark on what he wanted to do. So maybe he becomes a, a real viable target hog. We've had, we've seen him on an absolutely ridiculous target pace uh, just a couple years ago. Brandon LaFell's gone, a guy that was their secondary receiver. I think that's shines more on John Ross having a little more sneaky upside, but 
there's nothing really standing in AJ Green's way other than his own inconsistency and with the way he gets nagged up with injuries a little bit. I still think he could be an absolute monster, a uh, target monster. The offense as a whole, though, does concern me, especially when your fortunes are tied to Andy Dalton. I just nothing about Dalton screams huge season to me, but it, it could happen. He's right there at number three, pretty significantly ahead of Evans for me. So Wolf's list: uh, Keenan Allen, Devonte Adams, AJ Green, Mike Evans. Yes. Uh, Joe, who's your third guy? So I had uh, Adams third in this list. Um, I have A.J. Green last. Um, A a lot of the reasons you said for not liking Mike Evans are the same for A.J. Green. I mean, the offense was 26 in scoring, dead last in yards per game last year. Uh, He had five weeks under 10 PPR points, as you mentioned, very inconsistent. And he's missed three or more games uh, in two of the past four years. So, like you said, getting nicked up. Whereas um, my boy, Mike Evans, who I might just have a soft spot for, but he's never missed more than one game in a year. Um, I just kind of like having that higher floor when I'm making those picks that high. So that's why, um, you know, like we said, all of this is really close, but Mike Evans has a lot of those tiebreakers for me. You know, the more I look at this tier, I just hate him. Uh, I, I'm, I don't really want to be in business too much with any of these guys. I would end up probably going Adams, then green out of spite, then Allen, and then probably Mike Evans would wrap up my list. I just don't trust the bucks at all. I get that Evans is like a vacuum cleaner if they throw to him enough. Um, even so, I mean, you know, they, they, they got to target this guy and they got to at least make it ballpark accurate, get it at least somewhere around him. Remember, Evans started losing his mind a little bit last year, didn't he? I think the game he missed last year is because he attacked somebody from behind um, and got suspended, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, to me, possibly he could come unraveled. He's probably my fourth favorite guy on this list. If you had shown me this list at the beginning of last year, he would have been first 100 times out of 100 for me. It wouldn't um, even been close, I, I was right? so yeah. disappointed with what I saw out of him. So I would go Adam, Adams, Green, Allen, and Evans. And that just shows you how tough this is. I mean, we have three fairly different list you guys love keenan allen but you're crazy um and, and that's why we kind of structure it now it's a really good point that's why we structured the way we did where it wasn't just like what's your rankings you know we want to really lay out those pluses and minuses of each so at the end of the day nobody's going to have the same organization of these you got to kind of listen to the pluses and minuses and then put your own gut feeling into it and, and choose the guy you're screaming for so it is it's tough it's really hard making these decisions but for you know i know you said you hate these guys now but no i don't hate them. it's like the- i hate having to make these decisions like i don't feel great about any of them you know what i mean but but so I, see, I see, I see, I see the upside. Back, right? I see all Build the up. Stable. Yeah, I'm gonna try to build that stable then instead. Yeah. But I, I like these second round receivers, especially that. This is why I don't go receiver in round one, is because I think any one of these guys could be a real dependable wide receiver one for you in fantasy. And then you pair him with you, you know, uh, Melvin Gordon or whichever running back stud you take early, Saquon Barkley. I, I think you're off to a great start that way. All right, Joe, thanks for coming on the show once again. It uh, sounds like we're going to have you back on next week to have an official recurring segment here. I think next week we're talking round three or four upside running back twos. So you got a week to get ready. Um, and thanks for doing all the auto for it. We really appreciate it. Not a problem. My pleasure, guys. Y'all take care. See ya. like that man i like tear jerkers that's fine now you know what no, i said you- when i said i hate those four guys i don't hate those four guys they could all blow up i just mm-hmm. like you know you're, you're you're guessing to some degree when you get to that point i mean you know you can you can have guys like you hate like you know because they've dicked you over in the past and you can have guys that you got a really good feeling about but at the end of the day every one of those guys could win you a league and every one of those guys could just screw you to the point where you're you're just done so that's yeah, why I hate it. That's beast. why I hate it. It's like playing poker. Um, you know, you sound awfully uh, Yatesy with that type of comment there, Nat. Well, I mean, I I may sound Yatesy, but you'll notice that I actually ranked the four guys. You did, <laughs> and I that's did, true. and the, and the guys that you had number one, I did not have number one. So uh, very true. Maybe not so Yatesy after all. <laughs> um, maybe maybe some maybe truthy. Um, Ooh.
All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, Wolf, you got any social media you want to share with us? Of course I do. If you liked what you heard, you want these pulverizing audio blocks all this off-season, getting ready for your drafts, and then all regular season, too. We don't slow down. We, we just pick up the pace in the regular season. So make sure you subscribe if you like what you heard. Give us that rating on iTunes if you enjoyed it, or even if you didn't, let us know what we did wrong and how we can be better. We're always seeking out your feedback, and it really helps us. It's you know we, It means a lot to us. So if you liked what you heard, if you've been listening for a while, or it's your first time, regardless – Please let us know your thoughts, and then you can find all our other stuff. RotoStreetJournal.com is the homepage. Lots of those draft guides, like we mentioned, RotoStreetJournal.com slash training camp is one word. Our latest one coming out. And then, of course, all the other socials. Myself, if you want to connect with me personally, RotoStreetWolf on Twitter and Snapchat. RotoStreetJournal on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook being the one you really want to make sure to follow because that's where our broadcasts are all getting developed right now. Hopefully premiering next week. We've been teasing them for a while. I don't mean to just string you guys along, but they are coming. We want to make sure they're done right, though, before we release them. And then Roto ST Journal on Twitter and Snapchat as well uh, for more breaking news and, and daily stuff like that. Love it. My name's Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm The Wolf. See you guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.